10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. Good luck, studio. Hello, hello, hello. Bring the mic over. He's ready to record. It's the quiet ones you've got to watch, you know. Is it metaphorical? Is it is it deep? Is it deep? Oh boy, he's had all that shy is right. Shee! It's the Shy Life Podcast. Podcast Hello and welcome to another episode of the Charlotte Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. How are you doing? I'm all right. We've got Martin here. Martin Holmes. Once again, yes, dragged out of his, his whatever pity he lies in in the <laughs> basement in the daylight hours. What? What? What did you want? <laughs> well, um, I, I did promise you listeners that, uh, you know, we, we still have Martin on Chatterbox episodes. We still have him on other episodes, but we, we you know, we've kind of, well, we kind of run out of music. So, but we haven't, of course, but, but, but what I thought we would do, Martin, is um, we go to the sort of point that we stopped in the seventies. Uh, so we will start in 1975 and what we, rather than, cause obviously Nick and I did uh, um, sort of onwards from 75 in in the detail that we used to with but what i thought would be more interesting would be to talk about the bands that were big and we can slowly work our way through the end of the 70s and, and just talk about um bands that were big during this period and and but look at their their whole career or see kind of so say the 1975 uh, queen were doing you know and they'd been around for a few years and mm. and, and then they had a downturn and then they had an upturn so we'll, we'll i'm not sure what bands we'll we'll talk about yet we'll, we'll just yeah. start talking and we'll see what we come up with but uh, let's run that theme music and when we come back um we'll um we'll, we'll start talking about some um 70s rock and um, roll yes okay run that theme music <laughs> darling it's the shy life podcast <laughs> yes but it's a positive thing the shy life. You won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. Hello, Paul. Um, I'll, I'll go anywhere from the Delicious. Hello, campers. How are you? You quite like a big bang, don't you? Oh, yippee. Go Shy Yeti. Oh, I hope he hasn't found out my secret. I think he has. Who can talk that with bad this? Yeah, I am strangely drawn to Yeti Uncle John's ankles as well. Has the shy like a podcast though, Dan? I don't think so. It's all green and easy and yum, 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 yum. Has anyone seen my hot sausage? It's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> I'd like that. Yeah. Marvellous. Marvellous, Paul. I should, I should put my DJ head on. <laughs> so, Martin, 1975. 1975. Um, what, what, what do you remember of 1975? 1975, I, I was obviously 11. Uh, I was 11. I was probably, at that stage, I was probably very, very obsessed with... Uh, well, I, I, that's my favourite 
year of Doctor Who is that first Tom Baker year, mm. um, which I think was certainly the first half of 1975. It, it, that was... Uh, that, funnily enough, I, I, I don't remember it musically very much. I know Bo Rap was uh, quite big that year. Um, um, my sister... Uh, I, her music was what I, I tended to hear. We, uh, I, I probably... I probably started listening to Piccadilly, so I was probably aware of the pop charts in those days. But um, Piccadilly Radio, 261, 261. Yes, no, um, I was... Uh, I, I was I, I was never a big music buyer, you know. This was the strange thing. I, di I didn't have an LP until someone bought me an LP for my 16th birthday. I, the, the only music I ever really seemed to buy, if I bought anything at all, was was music, uh, film music. Mm. Um so I would buy these Jeff Love collection or team TV themes. Mm. I, I didn't really. I'm in much the same way. Uh, I'm unusual for someone from my neck of the woods, and I didn't have a football team. I didn't really follow any bands, and I, don't, I sort of went through school. I mean, there were, you know, 77, 78, There was punk and stuff, and people were listening. But I and people would sort of scribble, you know, uh, band logos on their exercise books and things. But really. I don't know. I'd, I'd never seem to sort of follow the crowd when it came to the stuff that mm. normal people do. I don't know. I think there's something very abnormal about me generally. I just don't <laughs> seem to... <laughs> I, well, I, I think there's fair few would probably agree with you on that. <laughs> now, I mean, looking at this... I mean, I, I, was, I was only... Well, only just over one. A, a twinkle. Yes. Well, I was one, one at the start of 75. Mewling so. and puking. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, th there are lots of bands here, but we don't necessarily have yeah. to catch them all in 75. We might catch them later on in the decade. Mm. I, I, um, but uh, I'm just looking to see. Because I don't want... We should just talk about the big ones. We sh should talk about some of the... the well, Top of the Pops was on telly. I do yeah. remember. I think my sister did watch Top of the Pops, so I was aware of Top of the Pops. I remember the one vivid memory I have of my, my father commenting at all on music was uh, seeing uh, Freddie Mercury on doing Bohemian Rhapsody and saying, oh, he won't live very long. Very prophetic, my dad. Very prophetic. But... Um, yeah, that was it. Was that was a weirdly vivid memory I have of it. But I, 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 you know, that thing where if your dad wanted to put you off music, the best thing he could do was say, "Are we like, oh, I like your music." <laughs> but we only had, see the other thing was we only had the one record player. We had one record player, and it was in in the living room. So if you wanted to listen to music, you really had to wait till everybody was out, or you know, or on the radio perhaps in the kitchen or whatever so it, it's really odd I, I find it bizarre I remember my sister's friend coming and we'd play Monopoly and I being the horrible oiky little brother would, would have you know, I think they were supposed to entertain me but they would put the, the singles on you know the 7 inch singles on and they, so, so my sister's music collection was basically what I knew so um, the, some of the albums I have like Goodbye Yellow Brick Road was because my sister had them yeah. You know. Um well looking at a list of some of the the most prolific singles releases mm. in nineteen seventy five and but by, by almost double the amount of anybody else, Mud was the most prolific Mud band. I loved Mud, yeah, right. I'd forgotten about Mud. 
Yeah. yeah, you see, that's another thing I must tell you, actually. About that time, we had uh, we were in our um, first year at secondary school, and we had to do a music project. Now, that summer, I bought something which was a, was a looking music special, right? And it had articles on all these different bands of the time. And for various reasons, me and two mates of mine... We knew nothing about music, but we had to write this project. So my mate, John, he he cut up my... This magazine basically served three of us. One person did Alvin Stardust. One person did David Essex. And I, for my pains, got to do Gary Glitter, who we never mention anymore. But that was who I did my school project on, Gary Glitter. Uh, all based on, on articles in Looking. So, yeah, Looking was, uh, I suppose, why I knew about music. My, my sister, specifically, I remember she said she went to see Focus, and that was really loud. That was loud enough for her. And there was an article on in Looking about a band called Mott the Hoople. But the only thing I really know about Mott the Hoople is that they were on the cover of Looking in 1973. That was, so that is what I know about them. So I, we did articles on these things. But Mud, I, I, we went with school. And this that makes us sound like we went to a posh school. We didn't. It was, it was Bash Street, really. But for some reason, uh, my mum was very eager for me to go on holiday when the school offered this holiday to Switzerland. So I went to Switzerland for a week when I was 10 years old. And the thing I most remember about this hotel we stayed in was it had a jukebox. And I thought that uh, mud were the greatest thing ever. They'd, uh, and there were about three or four mud tracks on this jukebox. And, and I, I still think, to this day, Tiger Feet is one of the greatest pieces of music ever. And it turned up in a film we were watching a few weeks ago. Uh, it was uh, remixed or re-recorded -re for this film, but Tiger Feet is an astonishingly great pop tune. Uh, their their career is sort of. I think we probably talked about Mud a bit when we talked about seventy three and seventy four. Well, Les Gray was one of the Green Cross Code people, wasn't he? I don't was, remember that, but yeah, yeah, I remember you saying because um, their first they have singles going back as far as sixty seven. Mm. They, they did a song called Flower Power in sixty seven and up the airy mountain in 1968. Uh, but none of them have, um, like, sharp sessions, so... Uh, they were like a rethink of the Ted, weren't they? They, they wore these yellow teddy boy outfits. Well, I, wonder, one, yeah, I mean, the I guitarists they, had these huge flares. I, I wonder if they had the same image. Because uh, some of these bands, like Status Quo, well, looked quite then. different in the 60s. And, um, and, even, and even early Slade, they looked quite different. Um mm. And, and, I thought um, I thought Les, I thought Les Gray, the the lead singer of Mud, was was the coolest thing ever. I really did. I think he was he was. Just, I don't know why, but I just thought he was he was the coolest rock star. That was my idea of what a rock star looked like. Anyway. The I mean, their first charting single was in '73, Crazy, and then Hypnosis. Right. Uh, but that Crazy was number twelve, Hypnosis number sixteen, yeah. and then Dynamite was their first top yeah, ten Dynamite. hit, and then Tiger Feet, Dynamite. as you mentioned. Yeah, and Ty Ty Tiger Feet, as you mentioned, was number one, and that was in '74. And then the cat, and the cat crept, in, crept in, I think, number was two. Yeah. That was nearly another yeah. number one. Rocket number six, um, and then Lonely This Christmas at the end of '74. Right. Um, okay. But '75 was was a big year for them because they had three albums out. Um, they had their second album, which mm. did well. They got to number six. 
Mud Rock Volume Two. Right. Okay. Mud Rock Mud Rock Volume uh, well, the first volume was out in September seventy four. Yeah. And then this was out in July seventy five. But oh, really? um and actually it was the, the high, their highest charting album number six. But um they also had their greatest hits out in seventy five. Um so I, I don't know how far that goes back. I don't know if I I don't know if that goes back to the those sixties ones or whether it literally it probably I guess because you can only get some of these mm. you know, since I've been buying vinyl again, some of these greatest hits from the, from that sort of period, mm. you can only get about five tracks aside. So it doesn't yeah. need to cover that bigger period. So maybe I guess by seventy five, perhaps everything they released from seventy three to seventy five was enough to fill both sides of a vinyl. Um, it does interest me this I because I I mean like I say at the time I loved Mud and yet Mud is not a band I have ever bought no. their stuff I don't I don't have any Mud on uh, on CD at all I, I never acquired it but um, I the, I think Tiger Feet I, one of the reasons I bought um, it's an, an LP which I'd still have it's the vinyl. Uh, something called Glam Crazy, spelt in that uh-huh. crazy way, that crazy with lots of E's on it. Uh, and, I, and that had it on it, and that's, I think, the reason I bought it. And the thing that always gets me about Tiger Feet as a song is it was the one when, you know, the Alan Freeman used to do the three chart countdowns mm. on a, mm. I think it was either a Saturday or a Sunday, at the, the weekend, anyway. And and he would, I think he would cycle through about four years over the course of a month. So you, you would get, he'd do 64, 74, and 84, I think, and they'd do 65, 75, 80, you know, how it, how it would work. And every fourth week, I just used to really look forward to it because I knew they'd play Tiger Feet. I just, just if for some reason, that song just cheered me up. Uh, and yet I've never bought it on a disc. Weirdly, there seems to be a change in label. With They were on R.A.K. Um, and then mid... Yeah. Then after that, up until that greatest hits, and then in December '75, they've got an album called "Use Your Imagination," but it's on private stock Philips. I don't know if that oh, is a right. bigger a, a bigger label than it sounds. I mean, Philips is a big name, but um, yeah. apparently, private stock records um, was a record label that operated from '74 to '78. But why, I, why, why move from? I mean, R.A.K. I've definitely. I mean, that, a lot of bands, and they were still going. Susie Quattro, people like that were on, on yes. and, and um, in the late, ah, even like early Kim Wilde and things like that. So why they left R.A.K. I don't know, or Rack. I, I don't know how, what you how you pronounce it, R.A.K. or Rack. But um, but use your imagination. They're dropping for. I mean, the greatest hits only got to twenty five. Yeah. Um, uh, use your imagination got to thirty three. Then they had out in 76, 78, but none of them are charting. And they were, no. but, the, but by 78, they were on RAC Victor, which is mm-hmm. a, a um, sort of linked to Sony and stuff. But um, they, they also, I guess because, I don't know if, they, oh, probably because the contract had ended. There's another Greatest Hits in, right. in 77 on that private stock label. So I guess it's perhaps yeah. just the stuff that was released on that contract. But these things will get quite messy when the, when people jump labels and then so, so-and-so companies allow, you know, has has ownership of different oh, yeah, periods no, of absolutely. people's Absolutely. I, I was a big, big fan uh, in the 80s. I was a big fan of uh, Judas Priest and Judas Priest's uh, first two albums are with a different label, as, as indeed are Queen's, I believe. Queen 1 and Queen 2 are, well, were sort of through a different, um, mm-hmm. through a different source, shall we say. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting, really, because... Because they never seem to get the 
the big re-release, the big remaster at that time. Mm. They were always, oh yes, we did these as well. And and the record company would then put out a, a best of album that was stuff that was purely from those early works, yeah. if you like. Yeah. Well, Us, um, you mentioned Susie Q though, of course, Susie Quattro, mm. fabulous. We we loved Susie Q I'm for sure. for obviously teenage boy reasons, but <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I, I recently I recently read her autobiography, and I dabbled into some of the more obscure, or at least to me, I mean, I, I knew the two big number ones, but didn't know a lot of the rest of it. So, and I found a few songs I um, well, uh, off early well, albums again. It came because we had shows like Supersonic. We had you know, Top of the Pops, obviously, but but Supersonic with Mickey Most and things, and 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 these people, uh, and even um, what was that thing that Roy North did with the owl? Oh, <laughs> Not what Roy North did with an owl. That's, that's a different. <laughs> I don't but, uh, know what you mean. But, uh, <laughs> but I can't remember. Um, enough uh, but there was even things like uh, Pop Quiz. You know, Pop. Uh, what was the Cheggers? Mm, Pep Cheggers plays pop. pop. Yeah. You know, but these bands were shot on cr- and Crackerjack. You know, they were Rasmataz. Um... Yes, Rasmataz. That's another one. Yeah, you know, and they were all just absolutely sort of. We were bombarded, but these same bands. And there was, you know, Saturday special, wasn't there? With, uh, with you know, the seaside specials, and the these bands would have to do the rounds of all these things. But we were so familiar with them. I mean, I can't imagine now a band like Shawadiwadi really having any kind of traction. But Shawadiwadi were huge, and I think it's because they did every single bloody entertainment show that was available for them to do. I can see why. There were so many. Now, now, now we know that so much was released by them in '75. Mm. Um, six singles doesn't seem so surprising, but I mean, they finished '74. Well, when the, we talked about the '50s, people were bringing out sort of yeah, a, a yeah. single every couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and only this Christmas was number one at the end of '74. Mm. That was actually, that was actually a non-album single, and then mm. the secrets that you keep and oh boy, um, well, n- number three and number that- one. But they were both covers, weren't they? And that, that's the interesting thing that, for me, those "Oh Boy" and uh, "The Secrets That You Keep" are actually, as far as I'm concerned, they're the originals because they're the first version I heard. And I know yeah. that's quite common for people that the cover, the, the cover that they first hear is the version that they are, you know, they think is the definitive version. But, but also, I can understand why they're doing covers because it isn't. This is their second album, and they they, mm. they they only did their first album less than a year ago, and then they've done mm. a, a non-album single for Christmas, and mm. uh, and then they have those two singles. Oh, boys, number one, but mm. then they have Moonshine Sally, which mm. is uh, just a track on the greatest hits. Mm. That that does make number ten, but mm. um, and then we go back to they. It's what, I've seen this happen before. But um, they've released the greatest hits. But then they go back to releasing a single from Mud Rock. Um, they released one called One Night, mm. um, but it only gets to thirty-two. Um, mm. And then, of course, they change record label. And mm. La La Lucy, that's number mm. ten. Show Me Your Woman, number eight. So this is on mm. the new contract. <laughs> some of their some of their singles after that are like Continental Europe only or German mm. only. But they they mm. still have. Shake It Down in 76, number 12. That's a non-album mm. single. Um, Lean On Me, number 7, non-album single. Well, we get that thing, don't we, where bands have sort of gone out of fashion here, but of course they've still, you know, they're still big in Japan or they're still big in Germany or they're still big in America or whatever. So they are they are still functioning as a as a combo, as a as a as a beat combo, if you like, as a band. And yet 
we've almost forgotten about them in the British press and the music press in you know like you say on on the television and um yeah I, I don't know it it sort of fascinates me sometimes I remember many many years ago now but I do remember being in a chip shop or something and there being this flyer and it was for a pantomime mm. and it mentioned a, a comedy duo called Hope and Keen. Mm. Now, Hope, Hope and Keen were a big part of our childhood. There was Hope and Keen's Crazy House, Hope and Keen's. They were a bit, you know, it was, they were in that crackerjack slot mm. in, in the summer and, and they would do these shows. And I thought, well, well, you know, and it was about 30 years after their heyday and they were still going. So these people have these careers. And again, a band like Shwadiwadi, they may have changed the broom handle and the, and the stick mm. sort of 26 times, but they are basically still functioning as a thing out there entertaining people who might be at the end of the pier in Blackpool or whatever but but they still and it amazes you that they have these 50 60 year careers mm. somehow mm. um so other big bands in 75 include basically rollers ah. um, and this is the year of bye bye the Baby. rollers and the osmonds yeah. yes um, give a little love money honey these were all big hits in 75 yeah, not uh, a huge fan of the Bay City Rules. I mean, that was that was girls' music, as far as we were concerned. I have, I have sort of explored them again with a sort of detached view, and although there are some, it's, they're funny because there are some very cutesy some ones, good tunes. and then there are some I really good sort of rocky ones. I find that with a lot of things, though. I find that with uh, I don't necessarily like a band. I don't necessarily like their music, but I I get a kind of nostalgia when I hear certain things because they remind me of certain times so um yeah the, i mean shangalang and what have you you know they are they just take you back to a time really and i i, I sometimes find i'm drawn to them more now than i was then mm. yeah because I, I i i remember this specifically with the smiths i know this is 10 years after what we're talking about today but i remember people i was at college with really really liking the smiths and me being very dismissive and terribly well <laughs> whatever and yet the minute i got home i'd left college i i went out and bought half a dozen smith's albums because of the nostalgia the association and i think that you know i mean these bands uh say bay city rollers uh mark boland they they actually had weekly shows itv would you know and we i know we had well, that was all i was trying to think of earlier was lift off with asia of course that was another uh biggie a lot of these shows are now lost but uh but Mark, Mark Boland had a, a, a Granada series, I think it was called Mark, with yeah. a C. Uh, the Bay City Rollers had a, a series, which I think was actually called Shangalang. And, you know, it, and bands like Slick would have a, a comic strip in Look In, you know. So it, uh, it, was, it was all very sort of, uh, probably very highly marketed and everything, but it, it, it was in our ITV children's TV, if you like. It was there. So we sort of watched it because it was a pop show and it was aimed at us. And you weren't necessarily a Bay City Rollers fan, but you might watch their TV show. But Bay City Rollers, I mean, their success sort of, you know, all their big success is sort of between late 74 and mm. sort of autumn 76. And it's the albums mm. they've released in that period. Although they seem to change um, 
one. They change albums, all their album, all their albums, all their record labels merged. But yeah. uh, well, friends of mine at the youth club wore the tartan. You know, I had the tie right tied around the wrist or whatever it was i mean there was a, there was a lot of that going it's on. sometimes surprising and and if when once bands start falling out of uh, chart placings mm. and maybe don't get um i mean we know about bands coming back like 20 years later or whatever but mm. quite a lot of these bands like so basically voters were releasing albums every year until mm. well every, every year until 81 that um they had they had albums they had albums in 77 78 79 80 81 mm. 85 Mm. Um, which didn't didn't chart or have any hit, have any hits on, but so you know they didn't just vanish after their their last b- big hit. Um, but we've talked about this before as well with the monkeys, haven't we? I mean, like, yes. monkeys were, were yeah. in our in our television DNA. The the show was still running mm. on the BBC. I think it was on the BBC, but but you know a decade later. Yeah. And it's actually quite surprising sometimes how many Monkeys albums there are after the ones you've heard of, if you see what I mean. Yeah, because by 75, they'd already had a, a string of hits. Keep On Dancing, number nine, that was their first big mm. hit. That was, that's 71, though. That's that's mm. sort of before they started even releasing albums. Yeah. Remember, Shalala, Shangalang, Summer Love, Sensation, All of Me Loves All of You, and then it's Bye Bye Baby, Give, give a little love, love me like I love you, money, honey, I only want to be with you. Th- those are all the top ten hits, and then it starts to... to I, I wonder what it is, though. I mean, I'm assuming it's, you know, <laughs> it's it's a fundamental teenage thing, isn't it, to find somebody attractive or whatever. But uh, I wonder what it was that suddenly made them... the. I mean, what's the expression? Teeny boppers, isn't it? Mm. What made them suddenly so appealing to such a broad yeah. base of of teenage girls T- specifically? When there was quite what a lot, was of, it? yeah. Particularly when there was quite a lot of other bands coming and going who had the same sort of. Appeal. I mean, I know posters with your shirt open to the navel in looking probably didn't do any harm, and I know that basically if you became the darling of any of the girls' comics. Or as it was back then. I mean, there were boys' comics and girls' comics. I know it's different times and everything like that. But people were definitely promoted to appeal to that audience. And there was a lot of money to be made by appealing to that basically 13 to 19-year-old age group. It's it's weird because I, I often go onto YouTube and watch the videos of bands like... And I know I did this at one point... With basically voters, I mm. went to watch a lot of the videos after their peak because um, there, there are a lot of singles, um, such uh, well they they had minor hits. It's a game. Mm. It's a game, and you made me believe in magic. Number sixteen, mm. number thirty-four, and seventy-seven. And nothing after that charts, but they have a, a lot. Of, and, and when I was going through it, I discovered in nineteen eighty-three one of their last singles. They covered a song that Bucks Fizzler had a hit with in nineteen eighty-one. Which was the piece of the action, which was the song that they released after mm. um, uh, making a mind up, which is, is what is actually one of my favourite Buxfield singles. Um, but it was weird to think, but um, basically, I was covering a Buxfield song a couple of years after uh, after it had been released, and it was, mm. it's released only in Japan. Mm. <laughs> it's just kind of the mind bog. Um, it does, I, and again, again. The idea of being able to extend your career somehow, 
yeah. you know what what these bands will do in order to extend their career yeah. you actually think of some of the amazing people in, in the music industry i mean someone like elton john elton john who had hits in the late 60s you know but was still charting you know in in more recent years the ha- what they went through to actually extend their career because a lot of popbacks you know they they have two or three good years and then maybe two or three fallow years and then you know fall out of consciousness and everything like that but some of these acts like queen like the rolling stones like elton john they have managed to reinvent themselves constantly and appeal to new you know bowie appeal to new audiences time and again because if you look at early bowie you know you do kind of feel well that's of its time Mm. but you look at 80s bowie and you think oh that's of its time as well and yet it's the same guy Mm. and that's that's a fascinating aspect of the the real people the real musicians seem to find a way of appealing again or they jump into a different area like um, adam faith jumping into acting well there does come a point doesn't there i mean I imagine that even if the Rolling Stones now release a new track, you know, written by them, somehow it doesn't. You know, it's like Cliff. You know, Cliff puts out songs in every decade and gets number ones in every decade and everything like that. But actually, if he does it now, it's all a bit. Oh, that's a bit sad. There must come a point where people go, "Yeah, I don't want to hear your new stuff. I want to hear the old classics." I mean, I think there's something about. Uh, for example, with the, the Stones, Undercover of the Night in the mid '80s is an astonishing track, mm. and it's and it time you know it works. But actually, if people buy a, a Rolling Stones greatest hits, it's really those '60s songs that they get. And yet, you know, the, and I don't know. I mean, Bowie seems to be more transcendental. He seems to appeal. All of his songs seem to appeal. You know, and to a certain extent, so does uh, Elton John. But there's. There's definite. There comes a point at which they think, yeah, we just really want you to. It's almost like they want a covers band. They want a band that will play their old hits and nothing new. We don't want your new stuff. Well, if you go on yeah. stage and play your new album, they go, oh, bloody hell. Again, I think crap. it's again, it's, it's the different level of fans that in, mm. in that room. There are people who just want to hear the old stuff. There are mm. people who probably, um, with certain bands, I want to hear their new album, and you know, I expect them to sing some of their old stuff. I mean, mm. the only time I've partly because I don't really like massive stadiums. I've very, I've very, mm. I've very rarely gone to like a massive stadium. Yeah, no, um, and, and 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 from my more poppy side, I I always wanted to see Kylie, but I and I like watching the 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 DVDs because it's a real. She really puts on a show, and she actually seems genuine, unlike certain other female. Um, yeah. Madonna, um, who who doesn't doesn't have the same sort of warmth, um, yes. um, but also puts on a great show. But but I, I never thought. Well, I thought I'm never going to go to see. I'm never going to see her live. And then uh, when when she hit uh, maybe it was her 25th or 30th mm-hmm. anniversary. I mean, it feels amazing. It feels so scary to think that Kylie has passed those milestones now, because um, I still think of her when she was in Neighbours. But um, I, I thought she's going to be in Neighbours again, Phil. Well, she will be, yeah. Well, she probably would have been by the time this comes out. Um, um, but um, yeah, she did a tour where she did where she did her B sides and obscure tracks. Yes. So she didn't sing any of her hits, but it was a real fan 
you know, and that's when I got to see her because she played smaller venues. She played the sort right. of venues that I usually went to to see the bands that I, the smaller bands or the mid range bands. So I got to see her without all the extra show stuff. And you right. could tell that she was really, really loving being amongst people she knew her were her super fans or at least her uh, fans enough to know her B sides and, and rare yes. tracks. And she was having a ball and not having to be on a big stage and not having to worry quite so much about... I'm sure she... I can't really remember now, but I'm sure she was awfully glamorous and everything as well. But, mm. um, but, but yeah, I mean, there's a difference between what people want to hear and mm. and sometimes there's there's room to sort of make room for some of those more obscure songs. If you've got... Mm. You know you're right. You know who the, the crowd's going to come in for that one. Um, mm. Well, I, w- I was going to say, actually, on top of what you were just saying there, you've you've listened to the new uh, ABBA yes. stuff, haven't yes, you? Yes, yeah. So, I mean, what do you like the new ABBA stuff? If you went to see them play, would that be the stuff you'd be quite happy to hear? I mean, you're familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd certainly like to hear some of it. Um, there are one or two tracks I don't like as much, but then, you know, there was always, you know, things like I Have a Dream, Have a pl- uh, they were never my favourite ABBA songs. They're, no. They're, they're, but they have a... Um, they have a place and some people that would be their favorite and i mean yeah. i have a dream as being number one for a few other acts um mm. i think i think some of those soppy boy there was a westlife or something like that had a number one with i have a dream which abba never yes. did so it's, it's a song that continued on um but yeah i'm not planning to go to the the the, the new um the digital tour the new show but but mm. I, well I, i'm not saying i'm not i'm not rushing to go mm. I, I, but that's more because of just anxiety levels of going to it and, and not knowing how yeah. much space you're going to get and how busy it's going to be. And uh, if I could go some quiet afternoon where, like, some matinee where it was only half full, that, um, but you know, whether I'll get to it when the tickets have gone down, um, I'm not against it by any means. And, mm. um, but, uh, I, I, but when, when they came back, when it announced that they were coming back, when I heard there was an album, that, that was the best part of this reunion mm. more than the show. I, um, I totally didn't understood why they wouldn't want to be standing there live themselves, knowing enough about what the girls have been through. Mm. Um, the girls. No, <laughs> um, yeah, I know what you mean. But, uh, uh, but the fact that there was going to be a new album, even if it was only going to be ten tracks, that that was all, all I could want. You know, that that, that that was, you know, some some. If that if that had been the only thing that come out of it, I would have still been overjoyed. You see, I do wonder. I I always worry really about the three minute pop song. I I, I, I had I was watching a documentary about Queen the other week, mm. and what fascinates me is I, there was a moment, and I just saw Brian May on stage, and I just thought it's almost like in his head he must be going. I've been playing these same chords for <laughs> fifty bloody years now. You, you oh, what a waste of my life. <laughs> <laughs> it must be like it must be like so programmed he doesn't even have to think about where his finger positions are to play those things but it's just it's just you must think god god well i want to i want to play some mantovani or something <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah and and i'm sure when they release new stuff it, it does well but to a more limited audience than they used to have well that's the other thing i mean one of the things they talked about was um you know how <clears throat> they were one of the you know, biggest blah blah blah, and biggest, and they and they went back on these huge arenas, uh, even though Freddie Mercury had been dead for thirty years or whatever. But what the interesting thing to me is that yeah, they don't they don't seem to put out new songs in the same way. So basically, they are effectively a covers band that happened to be the original. 
if you see what I mean. <laughs> yeah. they're, they're there going on stage, but they have to play the hits. They haven't got any new stuff they can do. They can possibly do some of the stuff that was on the later albums that they never did live, mm. you know, in those days. But there's not really been a new, new content album in 20 years, uh, you know, uh, as far as I can tell. I mean, I'm not that big a follower, yeah. but I don't think they've done a new studio album mm. in a very, very long time. And so... And whether how that would be received is interesting to me, mm. you know whether they tried that and it or they thought we might do it and it never happened, or they just think no nobody wants to hear that they really want us to do bow rap they hear you know they want us to do I want it all they want us to do who wants to live forever, and I don't know whether you could quite quietly understand why John Deacon thought yeah I'm getting out of this I've done my bit you know. I can kind of get it, and yet the other two have kept on going, you know. I think, if anything, I'm the minority. I probably would rather go and see a Queen show where they were playing maybe one or two hits, but mm. then I'd be more interested in hearing some obscure songs just because one of the reasons that I probably don't listen to Queen very much is that their greatest mm. hits really dominate their... their um, repertoire. Yeah, repertoire. Mm. Um, I mean, it's interesting that as well. I think you do get to the point with um, certain bands uh you know with, with the passage of time you know the, the personnel uh, diminish shall we say uh, you know the w at what point does the who stop being the who because there's only two of them and to a certain extent that's the same with queen mm. you know there's, there's there's half of queen really you know <laughs> yeah. you know it's it's sort of like que it's ke uh, you know yeah. you know it's it's and and the who <laughs> I mean, I went to see Blondie, like, mm. I mean, I mean, Blondie themselves are pretty, mm. I mean, although there were sort of two different lineups of Blondie during Blondie's career, we'll probably talk about Blondie mm. at some point anyway, because um, we're sort of edging towards them being successful, so I'd like to mm. talk about them properly, but they, they had a lineup for their early albums, and then that was replaced to a certain extent, a bit like the Pretenders, the people in Pretenders. No, yeah, the Pretenders at, at one point, I think about the fourth or fifth album, yeah. was a Pretender, wasn't yeah. it? Really? Um, <laughs> and when um, I saw I saw Blondie after they after in the late nineties or whenever, yeah. after um, they'd had the Maria. number one career, yeah. and and but they were doing a a co-headlining um, mm. tour with In Excess, but this was not In Excess with Michael Hutchins because he was gone mm. by then. It was around the time that they were... Um, I, I think, I suppose, In Excess experienced the same sort of problem as, as Queen, where they lost their famous front, front man. Yes. Um, some bands lose other people, and perhaps it's less mm. noticeable. Um, and, and In Excess were going through a, a, um, a stage of using different people as vocalists mm. to try out, in the same way that Queen did. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, it, it was... It was good, no, I because mean, it's the thing. All the rest of the NXS was still there, but but um, you know you definitely sort of miss the the, the front man, especially when it's so close to it, uh, when it's only happened a few years before. I guess now people are more used to the fact that. Um, well, these things are when when all said and done, a, a lot of these things are businesses. They are. I mean, we 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 try and sort of dress it up as something else, but they are fundamentally businesses. I was intrigued this morning. There was a um, there was a story, a news story, which basically was saying that uh, the number of 
uh, female acts that are heading up festivals this summer is 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 pathetically small. It's about twenty three percent, and as headline acts, <clears throat> and you think to yourself, well, it's not the promoter or the concert's fault if the bands that people want to come and see. <laughs> you know, if people happen to be all made up of blokes, is it? You know, if people want to see this band or that band, uh, and they happen to be a male band, there's nothing much they can do about that. I mean, you could say, well, we, we're going to put this all-female um, festival together, but if they can't sell the tickets, you know, if people don't buy the tickets, it's it's fundamentally people like what they like. And also, I kind of talking going back to Kylie um mm. I I kind of like the situation during lockdown where um I actually saw one or two I I saw Kylie did she she did a show which you had to subscribe to it wasn't you know it was like a 10 pound ticket or something it wasn't extortionate yeah and there's another another uh, singer called Dua Lipa who who's sort of a, a much younger singer but doing sort of same sort of pop and yeah. I, I'd have never seen you know, and and it was just it was kind of nice to see, almost like like you were saying um, with Mark, the, the Mark Bowden show or the or the mm. or the or the different shows in the seventies where you turn on mm. and it would be a show led by this singer. So yeah, Kylie gets to have a uh, gets to have a show and she's singing a lot of the songs from her new mm. album and then she's doing some of her old ones but in a different style. But it's mm. all beautifully filmed in a studio and they'd obviously done it in a very you know. Um, having to do it under lockdown but no one was wearing masks so they've probably been isolating mm-hmm. together so they put a lot of time into it it's since come out on dvd um but i think i paid to see that twice because i didn't know mm. some of these things you know they they get made and then they go into the they go into the artists um yeah. archives and you don't know when you're going to see them but actually they did they did release it to download um quite well no they released it on a, a blu-ray um and and I really enjoyed that, and I kind of would be up for, but I think I guess they take a lot of work to put together. Um, but I prefer to see a like down, you know, give us ten quid to to watch our our really highly polished show. I'd rather watch a video than track all the well, way into a into town, go to a big venue, having to buy drinks and da, da, da. Yeah. I, I'd rather, I, I wish, but I guess that's not that won't happen because it only happened because of that two year window of people having albums to release and they couldn't tour them. Um, well, I'm always intrigued that that 70s thing of a pop star also being themselves and introducing other acts and, you know, like, say, the Mark Boland show, the Shwadi Wadi show. It's... I, I can't really imagine it. But funnily enough, one of the people I can imagine doing it because of their acting mm. uh, side is Kylie. You mm. know, it's actually... You could imagine the weekly sort of... You know, like um, Shirley Bassey on a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> or Lulu or yeah. Scylla, even. Yeah. Uh, they had these big entertainment shows. You actually imagine that that someone like Kylie could have a Saturday night entertainment show like those used to be, and they would probably still work. It's always that bit where they have to do sketches or have to do the the scripted dialogue that's always a little bit cringeworthy (laughs) and and doesn't uh, time well, and that's why I suspect things have have gone more into the... um, Britain's Got a Talent X Factor kind of style of when people are talking, they they have to be people who are unscripted. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the thing that I despise about those shows is the 
is the soundbitey nonsense that the, the judges do. I could quite happily live without that crowd-pleasing twaddle that they spout. Uh, I haven't seen much much of those shows, but the bits I've seen, those are the bits I would immediately turn off. But that's just me. Um, so I, I don't know whether whether that kind of entertainment show would still... You know, can you imagine Kylie and... If, 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 if after they'd left Neighbours and they'd been touring, Kylie and Jason had a Saturday night show <laughs> yeah. on BBC well, One. Which almost could have happened in the early 90s because that sort of thing was still sort of relatively... You know, could have happened, could have happened. Let's um, go round to Kylie and Jason's house. <laughs> Hello. Um, I mean, the only... Uh, were they even X Factor? They might have been... You see, they may have saved us from having Noel Edmonds on uh, yeah, exactly. Couldn't have been much worse than that. Um, I, Kylie's I, house party. There I, you go. I, that would have worked. I think. I think girls allowed um, jumping on right into the noughties. I think girls allowed were before X Factor. They were on mm. Pop Stars or something. They yeah. were, and there were two. There was a boy band and a girl band. And um, I, I mean, I think that they had. To, I didn't watch it. I wasn't really aware of them. I became more interested in Girls Aloud when I actually heard the music and thought, this is the kind of pop I love. Um, mm. And they just happened to be release, releasing singles, mm. like sort of more electro-pop, sort of, with a really good producer. And, um, and But I wouldn't have been that interested. Usually the problem with these X-Factor bands is they release some soppy ballad and they release mm. another soppy ballad. and, and Make the money and run. Girls Aloud's first um, single was Sound of the Underground, which was a great mm. song. And I think... It was either that one or the follow-up single had Johnny Marr playing guitar. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't um, publicised at the time that it was Johnny Marr playing guitar. But they, somebody rang up and said, "Johnny, can you do this guitar lick?" At the, yeah. And he went, "Oh yeah, fine," um, because Johnny Marr. I'll pretty, do it down the phone. He's pretty cool. No, 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 no. Um, having read his autobiography, he's pretty cool with. He just kind of likes working and and mm. and, and, and would find doing something like that really exciting because it's different to what he usually does none of the sort of morrissey snobbishness um mm. and, and uh, but uh yeah it, it, it for me for those sort of things i, I guess people who like x-fag to like it because they get attached to mm. oh, that particular singer they want to do well yes but for yes, me it's true. like i don't care how well that person does if when they release the first song it's a horrible ballad and, and or oh, it's just not my type of music yeah. I, I i i need to hear the material before and then it's almost i mean girls allowed weren't the most charismatic um whereas like the spice girls had a lot of personality mm. i don't think girls allowed were quite the same with personality but i much prefer um their output of singles to the Spice Girls singles. Mm. Um, well, the Spice Girls went down the different route, which is another kind of rare subset, isn't it? Is the the movie yes. making the movie? So you had the Spice uh, Spice World, was it? Yeah, I mean, and and the bands that have made successful feature films about the band. I mean, you which obviously goes back to Hard Day's Night, I think. Uh, but you've also got. I mean, there was Abba the movie, but Abba the movie was a different That's beast because it was a sort of yeah. documentary, yeah. wasn't it? It was yeah. a pseudo-documentary. Sort, sort of fictionalised. Well, there have not been that many bands that have successfully done that, but that seemed to be the direction people chose overdoing the TV show. I mean, Spice World's a, a lot of fun as well. I remember seeing it at the time, um, and, and, mm. and it, uh, I, I own it at home. I, haven't, I need to watch it more often than I do. Uh, but it, does, it, lot, does it feel a bit like Hard Day's Night in its style? Does yeah, it it's very narrative some sketches. In it. I think I think a lot of it was sort of scripted or bits written by Fenton Saunders or Ruby mm. Wax and things like that. So, yes. so 
you know that they they paid whoever was doing the film for them was paying attention yep. to the fact that it needed to be funny it needed to play on all of their yep. strengths or the stereotypes that people thought of as being their um, characters. and do you think they were good enough as because uh, again I, I mean they all went to drama school didn't they so mm. i suppose do you think they were all good enough as performers to actually deliver it worked, lines? In, the co- it worked in, the, yeah. in the in the context i mean i saw mel um Mel B in I was watching rewatching Diary of a Cool Girl recently with with mm. Billy Piper because um, yep. it was on Prime and it was free to watch mm. and, and I and I back of my mind I'd enjoyed it but I wasn't sure I'd seen the last few episodes so mm. I, I just watched the whole four seasons very quickly and yes. in the last episode Mel B is at a a, a, a sort of sexy party and um, she only has one line and I'm like, like yeah I think you're much better in Spice World um, mm. it was funny but I always think it's funny when people who have been lead you know we, we, sometimes when we talk about films or we talk about TV and mm. there's like somebody who's been like a, a lead role say in a soap opera and mm. then you look at what they've done afterwards and they, they've gone from being like main character on on whatever show and yeah. and and you know they're total stars in that show, and then what do they get after that? You know, um, Dorman or <sighs> yeah. How do they jump? I mean, I w- that's that's why if I was in a soap opera, I w- and 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 I would say I'd always be like William Roach, um, mm. and I'd be like. I'm staying. I'm staying here yeah. for as long as they want me. I'm not daring. And to I leave. know what I'm good at. Yeah, yes. I'm not daring to leave. Well, I'm... I mean, you, you you think about sort of Russell Crowe, you know, that that kind of actor. I mean, he did manage to make the leap and become, you know, a lead in in a lot of feature films. But equally, you've got someone like uh, Madonna, who I know you're not a huge fan of. But you know, uh, I love her music. I just don't like her as a person. <laughs> but, well, no, but she did. I mean, things like yeah. Desperate Seeking Susan, and then, but but then did that cameo in the Bond film, which yes. you know, just, you know. I like. I I recently, well, in the last couple of years, I saw Who's That Girl, which had a ba- mm. which had quite bad press at the time, I mm. believe, although it had a hit single from it. Mm. And I thought it was a I thought it was a great fun film, um, mm. and 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 it's one of those ones I probably had avoided, and I'm so glad I saw it because I'll definitely mm. go back to that. I don't know. I mm. like Des- I like Desperately Seeking Susan as well. Mm. Um, but uh, no, I'm quite a fan of Madonna, but I wouldn't want to go and have a. I wouldn't want to go around hers for a party. Where no, you I don't think, think you get on. Yeah, I think a night out with Kylie would be amazing and great fun. Um, but yeah, you know, this is where my mind goes. <laughs> so, fictional, <laughs> theoretical dinner uh, parties day, with Paul, famous people. Now you're a full time podcaster. One day, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, when when your ship comes in. But um, yeah, I. Uh, but It'd be Kylie and the Yeti. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you share. I mean, Yeti and Kylie share at least uh, three letters. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like we were meant to meet. It's destiny. Uh, destiny. <laughs> um, I I was on the same plane as Emma Thompson once, but we didn't become friends. But uh, no, but. Uh, we were you in the same part of the plane? Well, we were, coming back from, we were coming back from. Yeah, I, I, we were coming back from Venice. So I'm not sure the plane was posh enough to. She oh. was just on. She was just on on with her husband and and we and, flew and, home. And we were sort of you know when you're in that last bit before you get on the plane, it's difficult yeah. to sort of hide away really. And so she she was just there. And I was like, oh, that's Emma Thompson. And I, and, 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 but I'm kind of like, oh, that's a famous person. And then I've just kind of go on. Um, but I was really sort of cross. Somebody was trying to was, was like on the plane had their iPad. And they were trying, right. obviously, trying to take raising it pictures. up and trying to take mm. pictures. And I thought, oh, that's so pathetic. Oh, just, just you know, 
That's the world we live in, Paul. Know, just be cool. Just you see, you've got to see Emma Thompson, or you've got to see whoever. And, 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 enjoy the moment. Just enjoy the yes. moment, and you know, don't 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 embarrass them or try and embarrass yourself. But uh, well, I mean, you know, as, as 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 you know, I'm not a big fan of the selfie. I never understand. I know you take a lot of selfies, and I, I still find the whole the whole horrific. Less and le- less and less. I'm becoming more like. Uh, I hate to say this, but I'm becoming more like how Morrissey dealt with his sort of singles covers and stuff. Although mm. Morrissey and the Smiths used to use old mm. shots from old films, but yeah. but I, I noticed at some point with um, things that Morrissey releasing that that he stopped releasing pictures of what he looks like now. He started releasing mm. pictures of and, and and my podcast has got more pictures of me about five ten years ago because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking so many. For, for pictures that I you, that I you um, become a recluse. I, I'm kind of like, you become yeah, a, a proper garbo. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm, like, I'm like it's like um, Bleak House or something. Oh no, Great Expectations. Mm. I'm, I'm covered in cobwebs in a corner somewhere editing. Quite but, right. Uh, um, well, you, you'll know. See, you'll see how many photos I put of me out. It, it, it does quite surprise me sometimes how uh, I go on people's. Um, web pages and how many <laughs> photos of themselves they put out and i think do you think we why why i don't get it but i know then again there's lots of things i don't understand about the modern world so so we should pass on really but, um well i think we've still got a little bit more time so we'll we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go back to 75 and we'll talk about another i don't think we're going to get well we're not strictly talking we're using 75 as a base and mm. anyway so if we don't we're not going to try meandering i like these yeah, meandering chats. Things, i've been doing yeah. them a lot myself on yeah. my own show it's kind of like you take a starting point and see where it takes you yeah because if we take so, if we take some of these um singers and talk about them mm. now but look at their whole career we won't come back to them when we see them in mm. 76 77 78 because we'll have done them so it doesn't matter how you know mm. what speed we do um well one of the other people i was going to talk about and sort of going back to people who have managed mm. to adapt their career um, and to do other things. David Essex was big in 75. David Essex, yes, of course. Now, he would have... Because uh, at, at that point, he did a couple of films. He did a couple of feature films. He did... Uh, uh, is it Stardust? Um, Stardust? Yeah, I think that's one of, one of the... I mean, that's one of the songs that came out in 75. Hold mm. Me Close, Rolling Stone and Stardust were the singles mm. he released. But we'll go into his career and sort of see where 75 sits in his success. Mm. Um, Because he went off to become a TV actor, didn't he? He Mm. Didn't he do that thing on the narrowboat years later? Yeah, and he's done a lot of sort of stage work and and, and musicals. Mm. What's the the film? He didn't do Saturday Night Fever, that's uh, Travolta. But what's what's the, um, um, the other big film he did? Trying to... With Ringo Starr in it. Yes. um, I think we had the soundtrack and the name um, is just slipped away from me there's that'll be the day in 73 that'll be the day yes um, that's it. it kind of like uh um well that day that was a that was a big album 73 yeah. with his sort of break breakout year um mm. his first three albums between 73 and 75 mm. were all top 10 albums I, actually yes because i find it quite interesting when you look when you sort of see how the bands overlap like we we sort of said, oh, like mud, we're, we're having hits mm. between. And it's like a two or three year period. I mean, it was kind mm. of the same with T Rex, where they mm. that they still had hits, um, but uh, and the, uh, but they had like a two or three year period of mm. big hits. Um, I think I, I subconsciously uh, modelled myself on David Essex uh, for far too many years. Really, I was walking around in the waistcoat and the tight jeans. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
um, and the white shirt, you know, and, and the big hair. I <laughs> uh, was the funniest things I was thinking about watching uh, Brian May. Actually, it's like you know, he, if he ever just really had a, ha- a short haircut, nobody'd know what he looked like. <laughs> yeah. um, but you know, uh, David Essex has released albums, you mm-hmm. know, in, well into the twenty-first century, and yeah. and he, um, he he was still having. He had a. It's one of those people where. And I think there's quite a few other acts recently that have, you know, they were famous, then they kind of mm. were less famous. And then mm. like, people like Toya, who had success mm. areas, and um, she had... Toya's now, doing very well yeah, for herself doing very well days, at the moment. Yeah. She had yeah. an album, that did, which, I, which I, I ended up buying, that came out in the autumn, which was pretty good fun, and did, like, best album. I mean... Well, they did... Uh, is, it, is it Robert... Is it not Robert Fripp, is it? Yeah, that's her husband and yeah. all the yeah. stuff that was done in lockdown. Well, that's what I'm saying. They, they, uh, they earned a lot of brownie points by yeah. doing that stuff in lockdown, yeah. really, which just made them very And some of them really. I've seen is... Because Robert Fripp obviously has a very serious like, prog rock background, and mm. but he just kind of just just um, just joins in. And, and I've seen mm. some... I saw some very silly ones. I saw one where... He was one of them was dressed up as a dinosaur in a di- and a mm. full size dinosaur like a costume you, something you'd have at I don't know at a kids party and mm. and one of them was dressed up as a bee and and chasing each other around the garden it was just ridiculous yeah. and silly but it it was exactly what was needed at that sort of time. Um, yeah. Well, we like we like no, we like Toya. She's um I think she played locally a couple of years ago now, but um yeah, well, last year or whatever it did it. A concert that actually turned up in this little town in Derbyshire. So you know, it's uh, and, and of course, she, of course, famously a Doctor Who fan, of course, which is, yes, uh, yeah. well, at least uh, conveniently <laughs> claimed to be a Doctor Who fan for a documentary. Yeah, she's, she's, fetishizing <laughs> Robert and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, what I thought was quite fun is that I, I ended up double dipping with that. I bought it on vinyl because I decided, I think, because I. Because I, I I kind of thought, well, why not? And yeah. and but I bought the CD version because the CD came with a DVD, and they made a video for each of the songs. And although some of it was a bit homegrown, it, it was it was it was fun, and it was also fun to see what she'd made Robert Fripp do or make. You know, maybe they had she had a little dancing one, and they they had to dance. It was it was worth the pennies, definitely. Um, and I do enjoy videos as much you know i do like yeah. the video era and a lot of new songs that you were um, an early adopter for uh was it mtv <laughs> well a lot of music i listen to now some of the things that draw you in are, are how good the videos are or they're telling a little mm. story or there's a song i only just discovered last night which has a great video where this woman buys a robot and and then it oh. kind of goes it goes through the 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 story as the song's going on, which is another song nothing to do with robots, but it's really yes high high sort of production values and and it kind of shows you this you know this is just in the in, in the length of a three minute song uh, you, and then at the end um, the robot sort of falls in love with her properly and then she gets another robot and the old robot is left watching and then explodes and it just tells a little like a little tells the unexpected um, and then that's just you, you, sh- you, you should be directing these things oh uh, uh, maybe this is your this is your life really uh, this is the life you could have had it's just look at what you could have lived it's just that, that's why there needs to be you know a tv show that shows all these you know all these people who have spent who have spent making i mean you've got it i suppose you've got youtube but it'd be nice if there, there was a uh, you know the chart show was was on yeah. with all the videos and because there's so, 
you know, people who don't want to go hunt. And also, to a certain extent, you need to know the videos are out there. You, the chart show used to introduce you to things that you didn't know about, um, as well as things you actually did. Um, to a certain extent, some of these people need that exposure to kind of go, this this, this singer, you might like this singer, and look at the video, isn't it great? But anyway, right, where were we? We were talking about David Essex. We um, were. So, <laughs> poor David. Well, you see, Toya just walked past and yeah, distracted me, as she always used to do when I was a lot younger. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, David S. David L. There's Toya. Hello, that, Toya. How are you doing? <laughs> that, that hair. I mean, goodness. Um, although, what if I dye my hair? He's also done a lot of car. Um, going back to David Essex, he's done a lot of mm. cast recording albums. Ah um, yes, because well, he was in Nevita, wasn't he? A mutiny in the bounty, mutiny on the bounty, or it's just called mm. mutiny. Um, he was in. This one's called. Tom. Of course, he was on in um, Jeff Wayne's musical version of the War of the oh, Worlds. Yes, of course he was. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. Godspell. He started in Godspell. Mm. Um, so uh, a, a big fan of the musical theatre, a big yeah. part of his career, I suppose. And my goodness, how many compilation albums does he have? Um, <laughs> but I'm trying to find the actual hits here. Um, yeah, he's one who was around in the '60s. He's got singles in 65, 66, 67, really? 68. Under, under that name? Um, apparently so, but none of them charted. He didn't wow. have a, a hit until... Some of them were with somebody called Rosa, Rosa Wortham. Yeah, some, some, okay. I don't know anything about that. Um, but yeah, lots of... A good sort of dozen or so singles that didn't do anything. And mm. then suddenly in 73, rock on number three. But I guess he maybe, when he was doing Godspell, but maybe he got some some publicity from that. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, of course, going back to the Kylie and Jason thing, mm. um, Jason Donovan was very big when he was in the kind of dream coat, but he was already mm. somebody who was, he that was a, a good thing for him to do. Yeah, it's like it, was, when you're doing your panto, it's yeah. getting the names in to get the whereas, people in, yeah. Whereas that's sort of, um, David Essex doing Godspell is sort of the opposite. He's doing that, and then he's having a career off it, um, possibly, or at least that would help. But well, Rock, um, on. Rock On's a good single, I, I remember it. You know, it, it, it has that wonderful, it's a very understated song and I, I kind of, that appeals on some level it's a bit it's a kind of mm. kind of minimalist rock really and i do quite like it well actually I, i've said this but um rock on was actually in that'll be the day so that might be another ah. um the, perhaps he'd done the i mean i'm making this up as i go along i don't know what the mm-hmm. actual fact i'm sure somewhere yeah, yeah none of this is, fact, none of this is true it's all nonsense <laughs> <Pluck> <laughs> Well, I'm theorising that if he was popular on you the remember stage, that six months he spent as a pink elephant? You remember that? That's yeah, brilliant. Just, brilliant. Yeah, that's that part of his era. career. Where the, the yellow spots, a bit like Mr Blobby, but elephant. Yeah, He was, uh, as far as I was concerned, I was told that he was the man inside Mr Blobby, but there we go. Well, there no. you go. Sorry, listeners, this isn't true. What I was going to say is that Godspell presumably gained some popularity, and then he got That'll Be the Day, and then there were songs from that, and then that kind of led. But I guess I'm just guessing that, but I'm sure the truth is something along those lines. Um, but you haven't read his autobiography yet. Not yet, no. We've, we've got Lamplight, number seven. Right. Um, we've got one called America, number 32. Then we've got Gonna Make You a Star, number one. Mm-hmm. Stardust, number um, seven. And then we're into 75, and we've got Rolling Stone, number five, Hold Me Close, number one, If I Could, number 13. Mm. And then um, 
still very precise performer. I think mm. that's the interesting thing about his lyrics. They are very, of the song. They're very. They seem very precise performances. You know. He's a weird one because he goes through a patch from about seventy six, where he's having singles that are charting sort of in the mid twenties. Mm. Coming home, um, city lights, mm. cool out tonight, stay with me, baby, mm. and then oh what a circus number three, mm. really, really really big one seventy eight, mm. um, brave new world also the title of, a t- of one of my favourite Toya songs number fifty five, mm. um, actually no that's supposed to be from um, uh, mm. War of the Worlds brave new world yeah um, Imperial Wizard which sounds like a T Rex um, song number thirty two Silver Dream Machine number four mm. in nineteen eighty. Um, mm. That's film, though, isn't it? That's from yeah, film. that's from a film. And then, mm. and then he kind of, and he's he's one of those. He's kind of rare in a way. That, and I think Alvin Stardust did the same. Somebody mm. who had hits in the seventies who went away and then had a couple of big hits in the eighties or early eighties mm. because um, in nineteen eighty two he has "Me and My Girl Nightclubbing" number thirteen, mm. which I, which I think is a bit is more. I remember more. Like as being higher than just thirteen, I remember that one quite mm. well. But then he had a Winter's Tale, um, yes. number two, that was a big hit, and then Tahiti in nineteen eighty three, number eight, mm. um, and that's sort of the, the end of his. his but these are know, from the from the sa- original soundtrack uh, Western yes, t- production. Uh, perf- I mean, same with Oh What a Circus, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh uh, yeah, um, I think. Um, I th- I th- I think the Winter's Tale is is just a standalone sort of win- mm. Christmas. I think that's a Mike Back one. It was apparently it was held off the the top spot by You Can't Hurry Love by Phil Collins. Um, mm-hmm. Another reason to despise the Back to Front Hobbit. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, he goes on with other singles, but they're not they're not big ones. But he's definitely had a career that's kind of bigger than just um, mm. just those the hits he had in that that time. Mm. Um, I'm just looking to see who else we can talk about. When was he? When was his barge TV show? I think Which that I was, can't remember the I name. Feel like of. that was at, um, the river. I think it was. I think that was about '83. Um, mm. But uh, let me see. It's kind of weird, really, because you get the pop star becoming the actor, and then you get the Nick Berries, who are the <laughs> yeah, you know, the oh, actor no, becoming the pop star. That, um, the river was 1988, so later. Mm. Than I was thinking. Yeah, right. Okay. Um, I mean, I again, I do, would you say that Kylie's an actor who became a musician, or just, or basically, would you think of, if you think of Kylie now, would you think musician only, and wouldn't really think about the acting career? I'd say to start with, acting. Um, mm. Wait, that, is I'm that going. your neighbour's bias showing? That's well, she she was doing <laughs> she was in she was doing one or two things before even neighbours in Australia. Yeah. Some things that got shown over here. Um, but definitely singer now. I mean, mm. she does when she acts. It's more, it's more rare. And I mean, mm. she was in a Doctor Who, of course. She was, mm. she's done, she's done the odd movie. Bit of pity acting. Yeah, when it, when it's the last neighbours, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> coming back, I, coming back for the Swan Song. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I never thought she'd do that because she's resisted it for so long. But mm. I, I'm very, yeah, glad that she gave in. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Have they filmed it yet? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was only probably like a day shoot or whatever. It wasn't right. Um, massive, no, so it was just episodes. Not nod and wave and do a bit, a bit of the the uh, royal family in a in a big car kind of thing. I, I mean, at the time of recording, obviously, I've not seen it yet. But there was yeah. um, there was some people said, oh, it's probably just that they put up in a car 
in, in, in the end and then it finishes but from mm. some of the things I've heard said it sounds like it's you know I, I heard them just say I'm, it was quite emotional doing the scenes so I think it's mm. more than just you know the, that so I think it, mm. I think if it was just going to be a very very brief thing they could have done it on Skype mm. because Neighbours isn't averse to having former cast members do a quick Skype scene um, mm. um, and sometimes and, and some some sometimes like if someone's getting married at least the person who played their daughter might appear on Skype saying oh sorry yeah. mum I wish I could be there and, and, and which is nicer than some soaps that kind of oh no no oh, oh mm-hmm. sorry they couldn't come and you don't see them or you don't hear from them and I mean that's the, what usually happens on soaps when characters leave now let, let's just wind up with a few smaller let's say we're going to have okay. lots to talk about for another episode but um, I thought we might dip into a couple of ones that perhaps that I, I presume don't have quite such a big career but mm. although um I don't know that Frankie Valley is a good example because he, he probably has a massive ah. career. Um, but he had, in 1975, he had My Eyes Adored You, The Night, and Who Loves You. Um, the, mm. they, were, um, they were big hits because he was mm. known as the frontman of The Four Seasons. Um, yes, Frankie Valley and The Four Seasons. Yes. Yeah. Um, or The Four Seasons and Frankie Valley, if, if yeah. you're one of The Four Seasons. Or, yes. <laughs> or The Three Other Seasons, Me and Frankie Valley. <laughs> and I... And, and, uh, you know now, and he's he's still alive, and it looks like he's probably. Well, he says he's still well, active, touring and releasing you know, things. So, were the people who were the Four Seasons were they called like you know Barry Spring and <laughs> and Danny Summer and all that kind of thing? Actually, no, it would have been too much. <laughs> well, they're, 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 he seems to be in this sort of mid seventies period. Seems to be on that record label that Mud ended up on that private oh, stock. Right. Um, Mm. One um, maybe so, maybe strange things happened in the music industry in the seventies. Yeah, uh, we know not all. Um, no, I mean there's a lot uh, of. I mean a lot of people angry with uh, their music companies in that era, weren't there? And I mean there's quite a few. I mean isn't part of um, the plot of uh, Rocket Man is about getting your own label? And I think mm. even the Queen had the same problem, didn't they? Felt falling out with managers and and music company executives and things so maybe there was a bit of <coughs> making the music for ourselves stuff going on and that's why that label was created oh, yeah. and then got bought out the, the four seasons their big hits in the uk go back to the 60s with sherry mm. big girls don't cry walk like a man ain't that a shame mm. um and ragdoll and let's mm-hmm. hang on uh, between 61 and 65 oh then right Singles in the seventies, so they must. He must have. This is this 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 needs looking into because the Four Seasons were still releasing singles around the time. Right. So, so presumably, had, did he leave them for a bit? Did he get uh, to do solo? Did he get to do stuff aside from them? Um, maybe one of summer holidays. Yeah, because they had hits in um, seventy-five. The night, number seven. Uh, Who loves you? Number six. December 63, yeah. one night, number one. Um, Silver Star, number three. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether Frankie Valley. This is much too complicated, more than I wanted to get involved Indeed. in. But there's a lot of... But I always knew that Frankie Valley was not the one we were going to cover very quickly. But we may come back to them at some mm-hmm. other point. But um, I'll try and look him up before next time. Yeah, I mean... We'll, we'll come back to some of these. But... Um, this was the year of David Bowie doing Golden Years, Space Oddity. Mm-hmm. Well, Space Oddity coming out in a different version. Um, yeah. 
and um, the Carpenters, Only Yesterday, Please Mr. Postman, um, mm. 10cc, I'm Not In Love, Life Is A mm. Minestrone. They've just had their uh, 50th anniversary, uh, the 10cc, I believe. Yeah. They were just talking about that on local news recently, because yeah. well, they're I'd like, local. I'd like to talk about some of these bands in more detail, so we'll save mm-hmm. them for another episode. Um, now, we will look at we won't look at his whole career. I just want to see what, because it's not long before the end of the road, unfortunately. But with Elvis, um, ah. he he had singles um, that were doing okay in '75. Um, yeah, yeah, he had he had a single in '75, which did very well in America. Got to number one in America, called My mm. Boy. But it got to number five in the UK. Don't know much about that at all. It was a French song, basically translated. He also had a single, which sounds interesting, didn't do very well, number 31, called yeah. T-R-O-U-B-L-E. Makes you ah, wonder, Trouble. Makes, yeah, makes you wonder whether... Wasn't that around the time of that di- divorce, that D-I-V-O? <laughs> you wonder whether that's um, come from that. It wasn't, ah, a, that wasn't a big... My middle name is Gregory. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my boy was... It wasn't his last... It wasn't his last big hit before he died... He had mm. Moody Blue, number six, and Way Down. Oh, yeah. But Way... I don't Way Down became a massive hit after he died. Yeah, I think that's probably... It, there is a list of posthumous ones, and I think um, mm. Way Down's been sort of... Um, sort of falls between the, the two, almost. Mm. Um, well, but, this is presumably from the Vegas era. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we're still in the Vegas. I guess the seventies was the Vegas era, and he never never left that era. Um, mm. uh, we, well, I mean, it's quite a few of them might have been just live recordings yeah. of um, the uh, Las Vegas show or something. You yeah, know, I mean, show my, recordings. My um, friend Callum, his dad was a big Elvis fan, and when okay. I first met Callum, he we used to do compilation tapes for for each other, and right. I didn't know a lot about. I mean, I obviously knew about Elvis, but I didn't yeah. have a lot. Um, and, but I did like Suspicious Minds, one of my favourites. Mm. Um, um, and he did me on the on his tape a few versions of, of Suspicious Minds. There's one where he kind of loses it and laugh and starts laughing, mm. and but they're all sort of ah um, the giggle edit, giggle edit. Yeah, they're all kind of fun, it was sort of fun to see these. Uh, you know, to, for, for actually to put it out and not kind of oh gosh he's messed it up sort of thing. It was mm. it. Um, Added to the to his well, humanizing the yeah, myth, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was, was going to say. Yeah, it, it was cool. Um, the last band we'll look at because I really okay. don't know much about them. Um, what do you know about Kenny? What do you remember about Kenny? Ken? Oh, God, I remember Kenny. <laughs> do the bump, is that them? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. That, well, it's a novelty song, pants. isn't it? You know. um, yeah. It's again. It's one of those things. It, it, it you almost feel like it's a group of session musicians because somebody's got an idea for a novelty song. I mean, mm. I might, that might be doing them a terrible injustice, but but uh, again, or maybe they were just being pushed as the next big thing in the era of the Bay City Rollers, and and everybody looked saw through it immediately mm. as the cynical money making exercise it was. You know? oh, but they were popular. It's, bit, it's weirdly enough a bit like the Rubettes. You know, they similar kind mm. of era. You know, they had a look. They, I mean, they had the yeah. white caps, didn't they? But uh, yeah. Kenny, I believe Kenny, I, f- I feel looked a bit like uh, children's TV presenters. They had the dungarees <laughs> and the boots. That's what. That's my memory of them as uh, dungarees five, and boots. Yeah, there were five of them. 
band only lasted for five years, 74 to 79. Well, that's a um, lot longer than I would have thought. I, I, I yeah. would have thought, uh, I would have thought literally that, with that they were that summer and then off they yeah. went. You know. Look at Sharp Sessions in a sec. They were on R.A.K. as well. Mm. Um, um, yes, they were Rick, Yan. Um, or Ian, Ian, I think. <laughs> oh, right. Or um, Jan. But, but, it's, but it's spelled, yeah. Actually, I have a friend who had a friend called Jan. Jan. So maybe as that in, is a, As in Jan Vincent Rutsky. Yeah. Uh, yes, they were Rick, Jan, Chris, Chris and Andy. All um, right, fair enough. All born For some in, reason, in my head, my memory of them is they all look like Mick Robertson off Magpie. <laughs> probably wrong. They were all born between 55 and 57, so they would be in their 60s now. Um, Ten years yeah. older than me, so... Yeah. <laughs> Which is about right, really. The bands you're watching on telly should be about ten years old, and you yeah. it feels right. So. They had two top ten hits, four top twelve hits. Um, the right. Bump, number three. Mm. Um, Fancy Pants, number four. Fancy Pants, and if you give her a chance, she'll go wild. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. How weird. Um. Yeah. Actually, um, there's one of the. They one, call her. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going when I'm editing this, you know what I'll be listening mm. to. Um, one of the lists the B-side titles as well. The B-side mm, okay. of the bump was called "Forget the Janes, the Jeans, and the Might Have Beans." Uh, <laughs> that sounds like it might have been the, uh, you know, the theme tune to The Office or something. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it might be one of my poems if I knew what it was actually yeah. meant. What actually it meant, but. Uh, yeah. um, Oh, the B-side of their third single was called The Sound of Super K. Sound of Super K. Intriguing. Yeah, um, Baby I Love You OK was their third Mm. single, got to number 12. Um, And then their their fourth single, Julianne, um, got to number 10. So it's kind of, I don't know. uh, I mean, they did release more singles after that, but they... um, uh, there were these bands that it's funny when you mentioned their names they were around a lot and and they were, again they would have done the cracker jacks and the, you know what have you but but they uh yeah they just were around a lot it looks like the b-side fell off the planet yeah it looks like the b-sides were written by um by um people in the band as well which was, right so, oh, yeah, uh, that's well, the thing you know we'll do this commercial stuff but we've got to put our own song on the b-side yeah that rick, <laughs> the rick and yan both wrote beat most most of the b-sides whereas Fair the enough. a-sides tended to be written by i guess more famous um <laughs> they have two albums um actually so saying that it's one of those things where they they were probably Australia, Julianne was the big hit, number six. Right. Did better than the UK. They didn't really... Mm. Those other hits, The Bump, got to number 71 in Australia. Um, Belgium, number 30 for The Bump. But um, they were relatively popular in Ireland. The Bump mm. did number two, Fancy Pants mm. number three. So that was mm. higher than in the UK. Mm. Um, Baby, I Love You, OK, mm. number nine. So that was higher. Um, Julianne, 10 as well. But the, other, mm. the, the only other country where they seem to be relatively big, to the point where they had some hits mm. that weren't hits in other countries, Germany, mm. oh, right. um, The Bump... I can see them. Oh, The Bump, yes. <laughs> Bump and yeah. Spunken, that, yes, that, that was, absolutely. The Bump was number 19 in Ger- Germany, Fancy Pants, 14, Maybe yeah, I Love You, OK, 21, <laughs> Julianne, number 14, and then Nice to Have You Home, number 30 in Germany, oh, right. Hot Lips, number 20, Although mm. it was also number twenty in Ireland, 
this is the only what the only other place where their latest singles right. did any good. And then okay. Red Headed Lady, number forty nine in Germany. Red Headed Lady. It's the only place that charted. Yeah. I feel the bump was kinda of like the Agadoo of its day, as they've done at uh-huh. weddings a lot. <laughs> and they had in seventy seven they had Old Songs Never Die and Reach Out I'll Be There, which oh, right. is a cover of the Polandosia song uh, by mm-hmm. the Four Tops, but um they didn't Kenny. do I mean and they were changing Labels. They were on that mm. RAK with for the first two mm. years, and then Polydor, and then Decca. Were they, were they called Kenny for a reason? I'm not sure. I was just thinking. I'll have a look in a sec. Um, I, I um, so they were on RAK, but then later mm. Polydor, later Decca, which mm. are you know quite. One yeah. must think that Big somebody language. thought they had potential to um, to you know to kind of be even more popular than they yeah. had been, and then that didn't really work out, presumably, but. Um, let me have a look. Apparently, Keith Chegwin, we mentioned him earlier. Apparently, he was almost considered for lead singer, but he declined. Wow. He de- I'm surprised. He, he de- turned down he, by the Chegg. Yeah, he, he he was too busy doing being in one episode of of um, or a few episodes of Small People. Um, mm. Doesn't doesn't really I'm trying to think. There's no Ken in the band. Mm. Um. I don't see. I'm sure if if we, oh no, oh no, uh, uh, oh here we go. In 1973, Irish show band singer Tony Kenny, former lead singer with the Sands and the Vampires, ah. recorded a single "Heart of Stone." Um, it was produced by Mickey Most and um, it was released under the name Kenny. And after the singer returned to Ireland, the single became a hit in Britain. As did a follow-up release, "Give It to Me Now." Um, and then I guess they decided to form a band using, I mean, those two singles they mentioned aren't listed under Kenny, under, under Kenny Kenny. Hmm. These things are never simple, are they? They're never simple. Um, no. They, they released one album, The Sound of Super K, which was the, that B-side. No. Hmm. Um, only got to 56, so I suppose they never, they never had a successful album like some of these other bands we've talked about. Right. Um, and then the yeah, sec- never as huge as they wanted them to no, be. No, their second album, Ricochet, was only released in Germany and Japan. Mm. So, but mm. anyway, well, did they did they merge with another band then, then sort of called the Rogers and become the Kenny Rogers? Or <laughs> That's obviously where it came from. We've come back there into our go. false news section now. Um, <laughs> well, Martin, we've barely we've barely. Um, Sort of the tip of the iceberg. We've dipped into the cesspool of the 1970s at last. But I hope, yeah, I hope listeners have found it interesting. I just think that we can cover things and talk about things in a different way to how we did it when we were talking about oh, this was number one, that that was number one. I know we did kind of jump in, and we sometimes, particularly if we didn't know who who is this person, we did kind of jump in and look in their careers. But uh, yeah, we've we've barely. Barely skim the surface, so so it means that yeah, um, you're stuck with us. We're we're back. We're doing this more or less. And 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 I'm interested because as we get more into the seventies, we we'll we'll be we're almost in Martin's a teenager era. So I want to hear what his stories. I really don't hear these stories about. I don't really think my teenage years are as as interesting as anybody's else's ever were. I think I was. I am. I have lived the dullest life. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, uh, even hearing how you avoided being a punk would be interesting. (laughs) 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 It was to do with buying a lot of velvet jackets. There we go. Well, um, I don't think we're going to manage to persuade Ick to sing any songs. He'll just say, you've covered these bands before. I've just used some old material. But we'll have a chat with him after Martin's left. And we'll well, maybe see. maybe Cuthbert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> um, but we'll say goodbye for now, and uh, yeah, okay. we'll come back soon. And, uh, nice to see you. Take care. Yeah, bye for now. It's tradition. It's tradition. You've got to sing I, a few I, I, I just, Martin, I just want you to talk to him because I don't think I can persuade him. I just don't think he'll listen to well, me. Well, is he being willful? He, he's being willful. He says he's no, done he's, it all before. Uh, yeah. Like I was saying to listeners. It's parenting. Um, it's parenting. Yeah. But I think uh, maybe you, makes can, them. You, can, you can probably talk, talk him around. I, I think we may just well, have to... Um, well, the thing is, I mean, we've given him opportunity now. He's had chance. He's had time. He's got think you know, he time to, just to look thing, up yeah. the tunes. I, I, I know, but the thing is, we, at the same time as we're, we're recording this, we're also recording songs from, in, well, very late 90s into the noughties, and he's still having to do that, a bit begrudgingly, of course. Um, just but, two grand, two grand now. You know, you know what you're going to have to do? You're gonna no, have, Martin, you can't start offering you money. I don't have that. I don't have money to give him. Well, oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 two grand. He's no, two no, grand. no, 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 no. Sorry, no, I thought he's were... two grand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not they cost two grand. <laughs> make an appearance. <laughs> Striking. Oh, I thought the start. Yeah, if you start yeah, doing yeah. that, I mean that that reminds me. Back in the day with Sutton Park, I I I, I ended up paying one of my friends a five a, a shot just to finish a plot line because we were supposed to be doing our our exam, you know, our finals, oh. and he was like, uh, I, "I, I can only do this if you give me a fiver." Which in those days, at least, was a lot of money. Bought, yeah, bought your bottle oh, of cider yeah. or something, yeah. if not two. Um, but yeah, oh. like fifteen. I, but I thought you I thought I come over a week. I thought you were no, suggesting. No, 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 not bribery and corruption. No, maybe, maybe threats. Uh, maybe threats. Threats against the person. Yeah, I, I can hear the theme music playing. So when, when we come back, um, have a quick word with him. See what you can um, see. What you can. Um, uh, get him to do if anything it's been good but yeah definitely time to come home now Let's go. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. 
Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net. Right, okay, now, now, Ick, Ick, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, son. Listen oh, to me. Martin. You gotta do, you gotta, you gotta do the songs. You gotta do the songs. I, I know, I know you think you've done them before. I've done them before. Yeah, I know you think you've done them before, but you've got to do the songs. And I'll tell you why you've got to do the songs. Why? You see, it's tradition. It's expected. It's kind oh. of expected. People, 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 you know, they, they listen to them to burbling on. They listen to them to burbling on. Oh. And they think, oh. But what they're waiting for is the big finish, the big finale. You oh. know, this is the high point of the show. This is what they're waiting for. But Martin. And you can't disappoint them. But Martin, I mean, ah. Uh. It's, it's just too much. I'm, I, I've got so many other things on. Um, I, think well, I know, I know, I know. But honestly, I mean, you know, let's face it, right? All you have to do is stick the headset on while you're doing a bit of the washing up and a bit of this and a bit of that. Say a few tunes in your head. You don't have to do any research. You know them all. You've re- rehearsed them all the previous time you did them. You're so up to the minute with the music of all the eras. Man, if anybody could do it better, we'd ask them. But we know it's you, Gov. It's you, and you're the guy. And if you don't want to do it, well, let's face it, we might we might have to get Yeti Uncle John to do it and Cuthbert, and you know, that's going to taint your reputation. Something chronic, isn't it? Nothing. The only thing I can say is, hold me close, don't let me go. (laughs) Well, this is it. This is it. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard they are in negotiations with your replacement. No, surely not. I believe so. I believe there have uh, words have been exchanged. Um, I, I don't think this time to do it this time, but I'll do it another time. Um, I'm, I have to get out my um, 70s songbook again. But for now, Put on your dancing trousers, man. For now I can say just one more thing, and then we must say goodbye. I shall say to you, bye-bye, baby, baby, <laughs> goodbye, bye, baby, baby, bye-bye. You you look so good in the tartan, man. You look so good in the tartan. Well done. Thank you. I like to just come home and like fix a nice hot bath. You know, like draw a bath. I don't know what that means. Like you know, with a pencil. That's what they say. But I think you just you open the spigot. I love that word spigot. And Hot water, especially mostly hot water, uh, steaming hot. If you can, then you get in there without without any clothes on. You get in there and then you put your headphones on and you dial it to the Shy Life podcast. Oh, and a little glass of wine and candles isn't too bad either. But yeah. You're number one in the UK in right. '55, my boy. Um, okay. Oh no, he didn't. It wasn't in the UK. It was in the US. I'll see ah. that again then. Um, I thought, thought I'd not heard that. It's one, of these, it's one of these ones where it really is so dense. It's difficult to keep your eye on the one bit. Um, Six hundred and 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 six hundred
Hey, hey, you want you want to know something? Really, Paul, uh, uh, the the Shayetti? He's really quite a, a musicologist. Oh, really? And, and I, I don't, it's like he puts out twenty thousand episodes a month. <laughs>